Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. I'm your host, Rich Ray. I'm joined for the first time this season by Charlotte Dunker. Hello. And by Samuel Luckhurst. Good morning. And it's a interesting mood in the studio today. United opening day of the season, Charlotte, 4-0 win against Chelsea. On paper, a very flattering result maybe for, for United, but what, what did you make of it? I mean, the dream starts of the season. We, we expect United to win. We expect them to win by as many as they did. Well, I came into the office all full of new season confidence that there was going to be lots of excitement. And I suppose there was that a little bit, but no one should get carried away because there are still plenty of flaws in the team, but they were really good on the counter-attack exposed Chelsea's weaknesses but in the first 25 minutes that Chelsea were by far the superior team and they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't go in with at least one goal at half time Yes I mean I guess it was flattering that United were ahead at the break it was a a penalty that was always a clear penalty but Chelsea did have their chances hit the woodwork twice quite early on and De Gea did have more work maybe than they wanted him to do He did Um, it's it, it, it's a strange one I mean that that cliche like, funny old game I mean the first 15 minutes Chelsea were dominant Marcus Rashford was probably the worst player on the pitch and then 17 minutes United are 1-0 up and Rashford's the, the goal scorer it, it was it was an interesting dynamic there yesterday in that you had that plane banner overhead uh, that, that we couldn't see because I mean it must have been flying on the wrong side I'm sure fans fans did see where it said glazes out and it just seems like over the last six weeks there's been this negativity outside United but inside Solskjaer's developed this bubble of optimism and I mean it could have burst yesterday had they had they lost that game and they could easily have lost that game but they didn't they nipped the negativity in the bud uh, I don't think these hashtags these harmless hashtags let's face it <clears throat> given that Avram Glazer was there yesterday and got got into Old Trafford, got out of Old Trafford without any bother, as you'd expect him to do. Um, They they aren't going to have an effect on on the ownership. The place was pretty packed. I know there was still, you know, I think in terms of the attendance, it was probably a few thousand short, but it looked packed. And it was just exactly what United, the owners, Ed Woodward, Solskjaer needed. It was a resounding victory in the end. I think that Lampard, what he said afterwards, um, you know, he was kind of half right. He said, we were the better team. Well, they still got thumped 4-0. Norwich got thumped 4-1 the other night and people were saying about how well they did as an attacking side. That's that's the reality of it. It really did feel like a, one of those performances that hark back to Solskjaer's honeymoon period in that you had the Pogba-Rashford combination, you had United hitting an opponent on the counter-attack, playing vibrant football at times. Uh, I I still do think they are are over-reliant on the counter-attack. We saw it in pre-season a couple of times. They didn't really master that controlled style that they were striving for in pre-season where they've got playing Pogba. Pogba playing in a deeper role in a, in a bid to um, to kind of underpin that and there were certain performances like Luke Shaw I think McTominay not wasn't I mean he, for me he looked a bit of a shadow of the play he wasn't pre-season they were disappointing um, Andres Pereira kind of salvaged his performance with that cross but again if he's your third choice midfielder in the long run it's it doesn't look too good but you've got to be positive about a performance like that mainly positive anyway I think there'll be an awful lot of in terms of the post-mortems today there'll be a lot of reflections on what could have happened had Emerson's shot gone in or Abraham's shot gone in and for 65 minutes Chelsea were the superior side but Solskjaer alluded to United tired towards the end of games last season um, and on Sunday, they they got stronger and stronger, scoring three goals in the last twenty five minutes. Looked like they might, you know, have come, might have ended that hoodoo of not scoring five in a home Premier League game. I think since Boxing Day twenty eleven. So it's just just a resounding start. I don't think anybody would have expected after the first two games of the season that United would actually be second in the table. But there they are. Um, I still think though that the Wolves game is going to be the reliable reflection of what this United side is going to be this season. I think taking on a Chelsea team, we've got a new manager who aren't able to sign new players 
um, who had a few injuries as well. It, it, it's, it has the potential to be one of those misleading opening weekend wins, whereas Wolves, it's the same players pretty much. It's the same manager. United lost there twice last season. That's going to be a tougher game than Chelsea at home. I'm not going to give them that much space on the counter-attack though, are they? If you're watching that game, what do you need to do? Stop United on the counter. I know they're quick. United's but, floor is still exactly the same as it was last season. Yeah, it's still obvious and as well. They they will be stopped easily once people work out a way to stop them. Chelsea lost their heads after the second goal, and then how fast was the third goal after that? 19. Like ninety seconds or something. Yeah, it, ninety nine nineteen wasn't it? Oh. Nineteen. Oh, I think it's nineteen. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was nine seconds from the moment um, restart. Mark Pogba received that layoff from. Do them. It, it was, was the third was, goal or the fourth goal. It was quick, wasn't it? The fourth, the third goal. I think there was <laughs> like definition. I, I think the second goal. It was like sixteen seconds from Maguire robbing yeah. Abraham of the ball and them going up the other end and scoring. And and that was still with what I think could best be. D best be described as a loose pass by Rashford for Lingard that, that he res- resurrected pretty well but Charlotte after like you said Liverpool won on the Friday City won on the and Spurs won on the Saturday it really did feel like a game that United did need to get a result from and regardless of the opponents it was just important for United to, to get off to a winning start as well and at least say they've got the three points on the board and of course against the big six side they, those are the games that no matter how poor Chelsea might be this season it was games like that that United struggled in last season particularly at home so still refreshing for you to, to see United actually beat a big side at their own game yeah I think and clearly it was the the start that they needed there was a lot of disappointed fans after the transfer window so for Solskjaer to put a side out there that went and beat Chelsea convincingly in the end it sort of goes towards proving his point that the players he's got can do that but it's the first game of the season Negative Nancy's back. Negative Nancy, you can't, it's not something you can get carried away with, is it? Because Wolves will be a bigger test. And especially after they lost twice there under Solskjaer last season, it will be, that's going to be harder for them. Yeah, I guess, Samuel, before the game on Friday, Solskjaer was asked about that sort of negative feeling around the club. And he he sort of denied, he said that we don't feel it as, as players and the staff. But do you think that yesterday was maybe a wake-up call for some United fans to, to really buy into what Solskjaer's been doing because pre-season, although it was successful, you always could be maybe sceptical because it's just friendly matches at the end of yeah. the day and they count for nothing. But do you think yesterday will have convinced more fans that Solskjaer really is the right man to take this take this club forward? Yes, because of how fickle they are. And <laughs> let's face it, the majority of those who are trying to get harmless hashtags trending aren't match goes as well. I thought it was quite... A, I mean, they should do it every game anyway because some of the um, club-approved songs that are played at Old Trafford are just utterly abominable, but they actually let the fans generate the noise and I think the 10 minutes building up to kick off, that's the way it should be every game and that kind of set the tone for just unbridled backing that the team had yesterday and that's what it's what it's about for the match goers for the people at the game it's it's supporting the team obviously they're going to grumble about mistakes that are made and they, they, they might sigh or they might exhale in, in frustration but that's that's just natural it's it's different when you're dedicating your evening to just trying to get a hashtag trending or tweeting at God knows how many people saying, read this, ask this question in the press conference. Why haven't you asked that? Um, The more you actually, I mean, some of us don't even see it anyway, but the more they're actually banging on about that, the less we're going to be interested in it. And let's face it, plain banners, what effect do they have? Um, There was one that said Woodward out at Burnley last year he's still in he's not going to go anywhere I suppose the only one you could say that did work was the David Moyes flyover but they pretty much decided that he David wasn't going to last yeah. the season I think David Moyes anyway. got David Moyes sacked yeah. yes. it wasn't not the play not the play yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean there'll be some Walter Mitty characters out there that will probably still take credit for getting David Moyes sacked but as I said I think that Solskjaer has just tried to shut out that negativity and we know from you know being on tour that the mood was good around the camp they were very upbeat um, they were buoyant getting rid of Lukaku was absolutely necessary because he did start to agitate he, he torched his relationship with Solskjaer there with what he was doing in the in the final week that he was at United 
the irony is that Pogba, who has been a destabilising influence, has performed completely professionally and he didn't have the best best of hours, first hours against Chelsea, but then he comes up with just a world-class pass for Rashford and I think as, as brilliant as that burst was for, for James's goal, I think what I liked even more was the way he just drew the Chelsea players in and the timing of his pass was brilliant. I mean, James kind of, there wasn't as much appreciation for it because James got his touch wrong, but fortunately for him, he, he then scored. But Pogba, I know he, he came out with the comment about there's still a question mark and that's completely fair because this time next year, he probably won't be a United player unless things go so, so well mm. this year, uh, this season. But I think Solskjaer, at the moment, he could argue that that indulgence of Pogba has been has been justified. Yeah, I think what I like about Pogba the most was, even in that first half, it was quiet, but he's still doing his job. And sometimes that's what you want from Pogba. He never goes into hiding, I yeah. think. You the, don't want him to... He doesn't always have to be the man who's, who's leading the line. I think in this, this new role where he's deeper, he gets more sort of responsibility in a way just because he's at the heart of everything he didn't need to be the main man but as Samuel said after the game he did say that the question mark still remains about his future you can understand that of course he said in the summer maybe looking for a new challenge Solskjaer still thinks that the new challenge can be with United but from United point of view what, what do you think it is just a case of getting the best out of Pogba and maybe forgetting about how long he's going to be here and just try and extract every good performance he can get from him while he is still at the yeah, club. Yeah, because I think they'd be naive to think that he's going to be at the club for the next five to ten years. He's made it quite clear he wants to go and play abroad again, probably in Spain. And if they can get, the, if he has the best season of his career this season. So there was zero on the check, isn't it? Yes, and it's, it's been worth it. He's not... Like we saw with Lukaku not turning up to training and things turning a bit sour. It's not gone down that route with Pogba. I think maybe there's the acceptance from him that he's not going anywhere this summer. So what's the best thing to do? Get on with it. If mm. if he starts refusing to turn up to training and he's put in with the 23s, who's that helping? Nobody. It's not going to help him get help the under 23s, well, isn't it? Would, yeah, it? In a big way. Not that they need help. I was going to say, they've, done, they've started all right. We'll so get onto that later in the podcast. Oh, there, there will be a drama with Pogba <laughs> yeah. between now and the end of the season. It just... They're cannot not be and look a drama. at his agent there's no way there's not be something drama. exciting will happen won't it yeah. Yeah. But, like, but like I said it seems from the outside at least it does seem like Pogba if he's to leave Le- all against tra- Leicester the first game of the season last season he came out didn't he and made controversial comments then so if you compare I think if you compare how controversial they are the things he said yesterday aren't on a level with what he said last season he's so. done worse <laughs> he said worse so that's fine then. You can keep him for another year then. That sounds like a morning piece being written. In it's, it's, a, it's like the, the poor man's Ronaldo in, in terms of what he's on a player yeah. we've got that doesn't want to be here, but that guy won us the European Cup and the pre- well, three Premier Leagues on the trot as well. Not yeah. single handedly, but. Who knows what Pogba's leaving present might be? Europa League, Carabao Cup, leasing.com trophy. Who knows if he's putting them under 23? <laughs> EFL uh, trophy? Yeah. Is that what it's called now, or is that the, the leasing.com? Tro- I mean, we've given them free publicity here. Trade, yeah. Who knows what? It? It, oh, yeah, that's the checker trade. So the EFL trophy. The EFL trophy is still. The EFL, EFL trophy. trophy. Anyway, leasing, moving on. Leasing is checker trade. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, it seems weird that we got this far into the uh, podcast. We've not mentioned the debutants yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Wamba Saka, Maguire, Daniel James. What did you make of all of them, Samuel? They all look like marked improvements on their positions from what United had last season and a real good introduction to life at Old Trafford for the three of them. Absolutely. Uh, Maguire, it was more about the, the defending than, than the attacking. I think it wasn't until that... Uh, well, when he robbed Abraham of the ball in the 65th minute, that you you kind of got a glimpse of what he can bring to United as an attacking side. And as Solskjaer said, Chelsea did pin pin United back in the first half, probably the first first hour anyway. So Maguire never really had the time to get on the ball, bring it out of defence. It was more about you know just just kind of basic defending. I think even you said during the game that it was like watching Phil Jones at times, just watching a defender concentrating on his defending rather than that passing side of it. Uh, but his, his his statistics were were impressive. I, I thought Wan Bissaka was was the man of the match. I thought from start to finish. 
bar that one mistake where he let Emerson in and he hit the crossbar. He was he was outstanding. I think that there's there's a real danger for Luke Shaw that he could be shown up by Wan-Bissaka this season and that I think a lot of United fans might have thought at the start of last season his this is what a modern fullback looks like in, in Luke Shaw, but Wambasaki's athleticism, his energy, getting up and down. Um, he's got the potential to take it to a different level there. And it does help that he spent seven years um, in the Palace Academy as a winger. Um, he's, he, you've got the best of both worlds there and you don't really see many players getting past him either. But Maguire did have an just a vital impact. That was the, the moment where the game just changed irrevocably there where he robs the ball and United scores 16 seconds later and that's the game killing goal I think from James perspective it's just you know if you score on your debut it's it's just absolute manner of heaven even though as I said with the goal it was like him being on the right hand side again and, and mm-hmm. struggling in the sense that he bad touch deflected finish, deflect finish he but who, care. who cares he did yeah he won't care a jot yeah. and rightly so and what I liked about it was how it seemed like every United player was genuinely thrilled yeah. for him when they went. Because the first two with him. second half goals, the second and the third, the, all the outfield players had these huddles in front of the Stretford end and it was a real sense of sort of teamwork. But, oh, Scott the, but the James one was real, just raw emotion yeah, raw from emotion. everyone. Yeah. And yeah. every player was and congratulating and saying, this is he, what you came here for. This is your yeah, dream Yeah, and also true. the fact that his, his father yeah. passed away in, in June as well. Um, it, it was just just a really lovely moment for him so uh, an emotional moment but one that he's going to be able to tell everyone about like it's this year's Anthony Marshall I suppose or Josh Harrop we'll see which way it goes yes. who knows uh, Charlotte what did you make of the uh, debutants yourself uh, Harry Maguire United needed a new centre back yeah. we were always saying that we've got to buy you've got to spend big to get one they did that's all and that it showed, didn't it yeah because Lindelof's been screaming out for a partner and now that he's finally got the partner they were looking for, the only way United are going to be solid going forward in an attacking sense is if they have a back line that they can trust. And Mourinho was obviously in the Sky studio yesterday and he uh, made a joke that maybe they uh, should have signed him last summer. Maybe he still would have been in a job. Who knows? But it is interesting, that's isn't it? the whole other story. I mean, they've only paid marginally more than they would have done last summer only for Maguire. Do you think he really is a player that could have maybe even saved Mourinho his job if he'd joined a year earlier? Do you think he's that good? Or I think he has got the potential to change the whole the whole entire dynamic of the team because if you look at the way the midfielders were playing they were playing sometimes with a fear knowing that they weren't confident with the back line that was behind them and that's going to limit them going forward so if they're now confident with the centre-backs that they've got then it is going to make a difference to the whole team performance and maybe Maguire's signing is the catalyst that United needed and should they have signed him I'm not saying they would have won the league last year but no you've heard it here first <laughs> I, I really have my doubts he'd have made that much of a difference to United last year in that their interest was sparked by World the World Cup performances, yeah. which you, you just don't fall into that trap. So if he were to, to have gone from the World Cup to playing for United and the pressure mm. they were under and the mood that Mourinho had developed. And Would have been a bad environment Le- to Leicester, join Leicester wanted £75 million pounds for him at the time, which seemed... I mean, it did seem steep. Retrospectively, it doesn't seem that way, but it certainly was at the time. United were just never going to pay that. I think they have bought him at the right time in that there's there's been due diligence done there to managers like him, which in, in Mourinho and Solskjaer, which is a bit of a seal of approval. Phelan knows him from having worked with him at Hull as well. And... His his stock hasn't really subsided since the World Cup either. He's he's performed at a good level for Leicester. Um, he's he's arguably the one England defender who's guaranteed to start in every competitive game. Given that with with Walker, it could be him or Trent Alexander Arnold. John Stones is certainly not assured of starting anymore at left back. I know Chilwell might think he's established himself there, but a lot of people would say. Danny Rose so his stock has is arguably it's gone up um, and just having that period where he's not gone in at the deep end even though he's still playing for United and there's still that pressure there I think he was always he I think there's always more potential for him to have an impact where he's given it a year and he's had one more year at Leicester rather than 
rushing into a big move to a top four club where there was an awful lot of pressure and there was an awful lot of negativity around the place. Whereas if they'd gone for someone like Alderweireld, who was accustomed to Champions League football and finishing in the top four and actually finishing above United, I think you could have made an argument that, yeah, they'd have finished in the top four if they if they'd yeah. signed him rather than Maguire, who up until that point is, well, certainly pre-World Cup, his, his stock wasn't that high. He didn't play yesterday like a man who feels like he's under a whole load of pressure after being no, he looked quite the, relaxed. World's, the world's most expensive defender, which is a positive. That's a very good it? positive to take. And yeah, with Gareth Southgate watching on as well, he made a good impression of... Another player made a good impression, really. Charlotte was Anthony Marshall up front, the new number nine shirt back on his... Well, his back on his shirt. Um, him and Rashford both led the line, both got goals. What did you make of the uh, sort of attacking performance from United yesterday? I thought it was promising that they're not in these fixed roles and that it's fluid and they all, they all realise that. It's not like my preferred position is through the middle and I'm not going to go out on the left. And I think that's the only way that that's going to work this season because when James came on, I think he started on the right, then went over Who to knows? the left. Who knows, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> that's what he said happened anyway. Which is kind of the beauty as well, though, when you're playing against a defence like Chelsea, you don't know that much about you. The fact that yeah. you can pop up on both sides and you can target whichever weakness you spot during the match like you said that the fact no fixed roles is it? well and as well the fact how feel like a broken record how many years have we said United need a specialist right winger well they don't in this the way they play now because any three of them can go go across that side yeah it might not be their strongest side but if they're only playing there for five minutes and then they're switching back into the middle then that could be the answer to that issue it's definitely one I've got to put up with now until January at least it seems uh, Samuel what did you make of uh, Marshall through the middle do you think he's maybe better than Rashford as, as the central attacking option or um, not necessarily I think that it's 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 better that they're just kind of like interchanging switching positions and, and Solskjaer alluded to that in Perth that that's what he would try and get them doing and you saw from Rashford's second goal that he's he's veering in from the left makes that run down the middle and he took his goal really well I thought that was quite striking about Rashford's second is that it's not the kind of finish you associate with him one-on-ones well certainly I think probably this time last year you'd have expected him to miss it but he took it really well I think the problem that they might have not Marshall and Rashford but the United attack is who is that four forward going to be because I can I can understand why he didn't start James I don't really understand why he started Pereira as number 10 um, I mean he, he retained the formation 4-2-3-1 that they played in pre-season but it's when you're playing as a number 10 it's sink or swim stuff and would you have played per- Mata there or I, I, yeah I'd, pl- I'd have played Mata instead of Pereira and I thought Pereira was in need of a life jacket after about 10 minutes I mean he really was sinking in that role and he just about you could say he salvaged it with the cross for Marshall it was a good cross it was I mean United are not renowned for their crossing either so he he, he claimed that assist but if he's the third choice midfielder, if he's your first choice playmaker, I, I think again, enough, it's it's he? no, it's it's kind of it, it's, it's kind of ties in with how misleading opening weekend results can yeah. be. I certainly wouldn't start him at Wolves, and I have my doubts that he will start at Wolves as well. I mean, he was the first to come off, which um, wasn't the original plan because Luke Shaw was causing Solskjaer an awful lot of distress, even at th- at three nil, but. It's it's just going to be that fourth player there. I thought Lingard had a quietly effective game and, and grew into it. I mean, he, he went on one great run and he also did well to salvage uh, Rashford's pass that, that led to the second goal. But there's always going to be that dilemma as to who, if you're going with, whether it's 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, who's that fourth player is it a, is it a fourth attacker is it a third midfielder that goes in there for that role because I think that did compromise United's um, attempts to play a more controlling style in that they had Pereira there and he's just I mean, he's just not reliable on the ball whereas I think if they had matter they might have had a little bit more possession but ultimately they've they've won 4 nil. <laughs> it's hard to be that negative <laughs> yeah. isn't it but uh, if someone could be negative Charlotte uh <laughs> 
No, never mind. Uh, sure, I guess it is. Let's just move on to that. Set uh, me up. <laughs> no, we're not. This is. You can say what you want. Don't worry. I guess for you, Charlotte, the question is. I mean, Samuel's already mentioned that the fitness levels looked looked better certainly than they had been last season. It's more from what we saw during preseason. But what did you make of the new sort of tactical approach during that? Because last season you said it quite a lot. Like when the players are in the tra- in, in the training, you used to wonder what do they actually do? Because yeah. when it came to the weekends, you could not see what United's identity was. But do you think there is now a clear identity of what United are trying to do? Yeah, and sure? you could see what the plan was in the second half, wasn't it? it was sit back, let Chelsea have the ball and destroy them on the counter-attack. And luckily it worked. If Chelsea weren't so open at the back, would we be sat here saying... That was well. They would have won one nil, wouldn't they? Because of the the penalty. Yeah, but the performance is less convincing, isn't it? And it worked well because they exploited Chelsea's weaknesses. If you're playing against teams that aren't allowing you to break so easily on the counter attack, they're going to have to come up with a plan B. And at the minute, do they have that plan B? Well. Who knows? Yeah, so we saw in pre-season, even against Perth and Leeds, United's best chances came on the break as well. Do you think that United still have struggled to break down more resilient sides this season? Because I know it's very early, but I can still see this United side losing against like Sheffield United, <laughs> losing against Brighton, losing against Burnley. Of course they would, and that's that's the problem. They'll go and beat Chelsea four 0 and then they'll the uh, newly promoted sides. Negative Nancy's back by popular demand in the new season, isn't she? United win four 0 It's so negative. I'm just thinking everyone needs to have realistic expectations. Realistic, not negative. That's what. Realistic. See, I, I don't necessarily think they would struggle as such in that they'd have more time on the ball. If you've got players interchanging and you know, fluid, then it, there's, there's that element of unpredictability. You've got Wambasaka bombing forward, getting into advanced roles. I, th- I don't think there's any cause for panic. It's just that under Solskjaer, they, they do love counter-attacking football I think that has become their forte even and and that was the striking thing about it I know there were um, breakaway goals in pre-season but there was an emphasis on we want to control style we want to play out from the back Um, getting Maguire in with Lindelof it's not like you've got silk and steel there it's two very capable um, ball-playing defenders and in, in doing that it's pretty clear what the intention is in terms of trying to master a more controlled approach but they did finish the Chelsea game with um, you know few not as much possession as Chelsea but again if, if you're winning 4-0 there aren't going to be many people that will grumble about that and if you can just win games against the top six with a counter-attacking tactic that's all well and good I, I don't think it's cause for panic or well it's not even panic I think that's completely the wrong word but um, it's probably a bit too premature to even analyse that I mean they've got Palace at home this month and Southampton away this month maybe after four games and you look at the results how they've played that will probably be the time to wonder okay are they not capable of playing a, a controlled style of football they do have a lack of players to get away with it if, if, if Pogba's not fit at Burnley then yeah you'd worry about them unlocking um, unlocking Burnley at, yeah just at the drop of a hat so they needed a midfielder <laughs> rise to that challenge yeah we'll get on to transfers in the second half of the podcast but last question of the first half Charlotte uh, team selection for you Twanzebu was on the bench rather than the likes of Jones and Small and Greenwood as well got his chance as a sub. Do you think it was a big point for Solskjaer to prove yesterday that he really does mean it when he says he's got faith in his young players? Yeah, because it's one thing saying it and then for him to go and do that in the in the first game of the season. I think Pereira was the only surprising conclusion in the starting eleven. They looked to the bench and you're like, has he stuck true to his word? And he has. There was none of them veteran defenders that everyone wants out of the club and rolls their eyes every time they see him I mean Ashley Young was there but he's actually quite good in pre-season at left back and is the club captain and who else would you have had instead Dallo yeah true remember him I know I keep forgetting people Alexis Sanchez dropped off my radar I don't think you need to worry about him no no. No, but it's, it, is, it is good that he's set out his intentions and he seems to be sticking true to his word. Mason Greenwood got some minutes and if Tu and Zabie's going to be back up to Maguire and Lindelof, then it could be a good season for him. 
Samuel, what did you make of uh, Greenwood's cameo? I mean, in a way, it was quite good that he came on and there wasn't that much pressure on him to, to perform the game was one. There was all the other exciting plays that our fans wanted to see. Do you think it's going to benefit him getting minutes like that where he doesn't come into maybe the cauldron and the pressure mounted on him? It was it was ideal for him, just as it was for James coming on to make his debut like that, given that they were 3-0 up at the time. I think when when. Greenwood came on was it 4 nil even I think um, I mean I, I couldn't really analyse him because I had my head buried in my laptop writing up my report at that point but he, he is going to get games and in terms of the balance of the bench I don't think as much as people would have loved to have seen Chong and Gomez on there he wasn't going to just overload it with youngsters players under the age of 21 he was going to have to strike a balance there and he did he had what 330 somethings on there in young matter and Matic and then it was Greenwood James and um oh Christ who have I forgotten two and Zebi they're all 21 and under so I think that's the way forward in, ter- well, in terms of the outfield players anyway so that's that's pretty sensible I I, I think if Fred hadn't of booked his wedding for a pre-season slot then there's every chance he'd have been in the squad yesterday but he can't really grumble about being overlooked and Matic being ahead of him however bad Matic was in pre-season because he he missed two weeks of of, of training so you're going to be behind schedule in terms of I mean it, it was reassuring that Darmian, Jones, Smalling and Rojo none of them were included because some of them have outstayed their welcome. Some of them should have been let go by now. United literally could have released Damien and Rojo. So had Solskjaer picked Jones or Smalling or Rojo, I don't think Rojo was ever in contention. I don't think he will be in contention this month purely because there's a chance he could leave. Um, had had Tunzibi not been on the bench, that quote Solskjaer said about him being the future of United would have been widespread again yesterday because you know he'd, he'd have embarrassed himself so it was reassuring and you just hope that he doesn't recall um one of the players who've outstayed their welcome ahead of Tunzibi for for Wolves in a week's time yeah we'll see that we'll get onto team selection in the second half but before we get to the break we do have a teaser question that's been carefully selected by producer Ash again and the question is the last when was the last time Manchester United scored four or more goals in a win against Chelsea? I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that and we'll be back after the break. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, we left Samuel and Charlotte with the teaser question. When was the last time Manchester United scored four or more goals in a victory over Chelsea? Anybody want to go Got first on this one? Absolutely no idea. Well, that's the type of faith we like to have from Charlotte Duncan. Do you want to have any sort of hazard a guess of when it might be? 96-97 season. I've, I've, oh, I've got a result. No, no, no. I've got a result that springs to mind, but I think I might be wrong. Okay, well... 5-3, 97, 98. 97, 5-3. Mm, interesting. Was there Is one more it? recently than that? Well... I'm reliably informed that I've not seen this myself. So this is all <laughs> off producer Ash's paper. Manchester United beat Chelsea 5-3 in the FA Cup in 1997-1998. <laughs> Literally, who needs Google? Everyone should just have Samuel in their phone. I was thinking maybe in the Villas Boas season, but they, I think they, they beat them that game where Torres... Was the open goal? Yeah. They should have scored more, but they more, didn't. But they didn't. And in fairness, Chelsea should have scored more and didn't as well. What do you make of that suggestion from Charlotte Samuel? Maybe a Samuel Lucas app where fans can send in their no. quick fire United trivia. And... I think that'd be great. No, no. you could you, you could market if you, if, 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 if I if I make money out. Yeah, I was going to say that could be a thing it, on the side. Lots of adverts. You've got a paper question. People would do it, I think. Do you think so? Well, I'm not it depends sure on the that. speed of the reply as well. If That's it's like in, instant reply, instant United knowledge. Yeah. So, are you up for the challenge? <laughs> I, 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 no, no. Okay, I think right. I think I'll leave it at that. You could go on like t- um, pub quiz 
team. That'd as be well. a very specific pub quiz, though, wouldn't it? You'd <laughs> have just hope, United trivia. You'd have hope ne- and not, not just United trivia. Because well, we've not quizzed him on anything else. It could be encyclopedia about it. it Are any other specialist subjects? It sounds more nichey than an American website trying to draw United fans to read its stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that will go well. Uh, Samuel, are there any other areas of expertise you have? If you had to go mastermind and they said you can't have Man United, what would you go for? No, what would be your mastermind topic? It, it would have to be something like United in the 90s or some, just something very, very easy. Charlotte, very... what would your specialist subject be? Probably something to do with food. Just food, <laughs> general. Yeah. Food Charlotte likes. Yeah. Well, that sounds insightful. I think I could win that. Well, if you've got any free food to send in for Charlotte, I'm sure she'd Click appreciate yeah, please it. Please feel free. But uh, we get back on with the podcast now anyway. Uh, Some of you sort of mentioned this. Actually, just... I think producer Ash is wrong. I've just thought of really? it. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Only because I've just remembered that I went to this game. They lost at Chelsea 5-4 in the yeah. League Cup in 2012. When Giggs scored and it was yes. the, a youthful United side. But yes. the question, Ash... When was last time United won? Ah, more than four goals. My, my apologies. Yeah. No, producer, when, producer, producer Ash was correct. Yeah, he asked me off air and that's what I thought that's, as well because that's I very can't well remember. phrased. I think Chelsea had a strong team at United had quite a youthful they one did. from what I re- and recollect. Then Scott Wooten decided to... Was it just before penalties? Was it just about United penalties? Were, the United game? were 3-2 up in added time and then Scott Wooten gave away a stupid penalty and they went to extra time and lost. Oh, really? Well, that sounds good. Yeah. I'll watch those highlights after the podcast. But uh, <laughs> some of you did mention before the break there that United maybe needed a new central midfielder in the summer transfer window. The question I'm going to ask now, it's quite unfair, is how many more players do you think United needed to sign in the transfer window? Two. Midfielder and a forward. Do you I think know. it needed to be a centre forward or another one who's no, versatile? No, just, just, right just an established forward, someone who, I mean, dare I say it, someone like Griezmann, but not Griezmann because the last thing they need is some pretentious, pretentious troublesome Frenchman um, in the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, especially after watching his documentary, I, I was so glad United... Have you watched the Netflix that special? You have, you? It was that one, yeah, yeah, where he starts getting tearful. And you think this is not going to be about a childhood trauma or his cousin being involved at the Bataclan. This is just going to be all about himself. And yeah, it is all about himself crying about how something was hard when it wasn't very hard. So yeah, they could have... They definitely did still need one. Um, I know Solskjaer's opted for some revisionism now and it's all about, oh, well, we didn't want to block Mason Greenwood's pathway. I still think they could have brought a forward in and not blocked Greenwood's pathway. In, in fairness, look, nothing against Daniel James, but if they, rather than signing him and they brought in someone who's adept from uh, playing from the right and, and was established and that was their forward signing and their only forward signing of the summer I think people would have been would have been fine with that I'm not necessarily saying Debar I think there are certain players who, Mandzukic or, or Mandzukic <laughs> definitely Take your not pick. Would yeah. you not have had one of those veteran strikers for a season so do you not think no. there would be any point of bringing one in No I, I really don't I mean the Arente stuff was was guff. Um, as, well, he's not here now, is he? So. Yeah, I, well, he could still be because he's <laughs> he's a free agent. But uh, that that was nonsense. I mean, it's it's just amazing that I mean, fans will believe what they want to believe, or it will come from a certain reporter's Twitter account, and they'll think, yeah, that's good enough for us. Let's let's run with that. Um, but the exciting thing is that we're going to hopefully see more of. Gomez, Chong and Greenwood in the first team and I think that is a genuine cause for excitement as as a journalist going to cover United games and as fans going to watch games if you've if you've seen the academy players getting playing time I think that's and, and it's not like they're Louis van Gaal's players just it's not like Tyler Black and James Weir it's, it's genuinely exciting youngsters who deserve to be given a chance at senior level Charlotte, yourself, do you watching the game yesterday? Were there any other areas you thought that looked a bit maybe a weak or vulnerable, or, or what you'd like to have seen United well, strengthen? M- midfield is going to prove to be one of the biggest problems. What if, type of midfield do you think United need? If, though? if Pogba gets injured, so do you think they need someone any, who's for any length of time? A day. <laughs> do you yeah, think for one game? Do you think they need a midfielder who's defensive minded or someone that can create chances? Well, Don't say both because that was really annoying. Me. They need a they need a playmaker, they need a playmaker and someone to replace Matic long term. So they need two midfielders. Yeah. 
and a forwards, do you think? I think the forwards, you can comp- that's what they could compromise on because they were never going to be able to bring in a world, world's most expensive defender and then two midfielders and a forward. So I think looking at the squad and the strength and depth in the squad, it's the midfield that screams screams out. I think when they announced the pre-season tour squad and you saw, it written and down. You saw that written down, you just thought, wow. And I know they can't sit there and compare themselves to Manchester City and how successful they've been over the past few years. But if you look at the strength and depth, even in midfield that they've got, it's obscene. Compare that to United and you're like, oh, Andres Pereira's going to start. Well, should he be a regular starter for United? In my opinion, is he good enough to be a regular starter? No. Do you think Scott McTominay is good enough? He's definitely he good definitely during pre-season. He definitely up in pre-season. Whether he can sustain that level for the whole for the whole season to be one of the first names on the team sheet alongside Pogba, well, we're going to find out because, <laughs> and this isn't meant disparagingly <laughs> Scott McTominay, but there isn't anyone else. If Pereira was, say he was an academy player at Manchester City, there'd be one place he'd be at the moment, and that'd Girona. be Girona. Yeah. yeah. If they hadn't released him. He'd be, <laughs> yeah, he'd be absolutely nowhere near the near the bench at all. So then that's the difference between United are going to have to play catch-up now over the next five, five years just to even try and get a, a squad that you look at it and think, yeah, that's strong all over the pitch. Hmm. Easy job for you then, Ollie, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> moving on, both mentioned it earlier in the podcast that the Wolves game's going to be much tricky if you're not out of the game. They lost twice away at Molyneux last season. What type of changes do you think United will actually make for that game, Sam? Because yesterday there were murmurings that someone like Matic could come in. He's a safe option. He might be underwhelming, but I guess if you've got someone like Maguire behind him, there might be more licence to play Matic, even if he had a bad pre-season. And Pereira was so underwhelming against Chelsea for the majority that like you say you expect him not to start do you go with Mata do you bring in Matic or, or what do you think United's approach will be for the Wolves game see I think the way Wolves play I mean they're a counter-attacking side so it's it's a clash of similar styles in, in that respect and the onus is going to be on United to try and master that that controlled style in which case I think you go with you do go with the same formation and if, if Pereira was to play it wouldn't surprise me because I think Solskjaer would justify him as the as the fourth attacker but I don't think I, I don't think and I'm sure a lot, lot of people don't think it should be Pereira I think Mata is probably more logical in that he's someone who can get on the ball um, I know Wolves can be quite intense but I don't think they play at a level of intensity that could could overwhelm him um, I think I think that's a, I don't think Mata even started at Wolves last season in either of those games from recollection I'm going to trust your knowledge well ahead of mine on this I think he came on in, this is why we need he that came on, yeah. Yeah, he came <laughs> on in at least one but I'm pretty sure he didn't start in both and I just think that that's the kind of game that that's made for him it's not a top six game so the pace of it shouldn't be as, as fast as it, it might be against other teams but in saying that he played well three times against Chelsea last season so I, I'd go with Matter arguably as it as it stands now anyway I mean somebody could get injured in the week but that would probably be my only change to it but it also wouldn't surprise me if he were to bring Daniel James in um, given that he he has got his confidence flowing now and I also still think that Lingard Lingard presents a bit of a dilemma in that because he's so multifunctional they kind of just put him in there and let him get on yeah. with it whereas I do think he needs to operate in a area where he's at his best and that is still in a central attacking midfield role but when you do that you're kind of leaving McTominay a bit exposed and Solskjaer wants McTominay to play in a more attack-minded fashion or he said that last season anyway he said he wanted him to be more adventurous but I think for now McTominay's got to get back to what he was like under Mourinho in that he just sat there he tackled and he, and he passed the ball you know quite simply and, and got on with things and given how bad Matic has been and I don't think I don't think Matic is going to get any quicker either or any better I think that's got to be McTominay's got to be there holding midfielder for the time being The only positive if Matic 
does come in because he was really bad in that game against AC Milan, but Pogba wasn't playing. Mm. So at least you've got some creativity in your midfield if he's playing as well. If Solskjaer just decide to go more defensive-minded and start Matic instead of Pereira. Charles, what did you do about Daniel James? Do you think that a player who performs well off the bench should start the next game or do you think that he's still better suited to yeah, coming on with 15? On the bench. A conflict of opinions. Ooh. No, I'd say I said I'd start matter. You so you'd have, you wouldn't have James starting. No, okay. come on, super sub. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Because that's used to what happened with Javier Hernandez, didn't it? He'd play well off the bench. Fans say he should start, but the, the Welsh Hernandez. Yeah, the Welsh Manchester. There you go. Manchester might have found <laughs> against Chelsea as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This morning piece is getting <laughs> right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Like we said though earlier as well, United's last honeymoon period and social came crashing down at Molyneux really. Uh, do you think it could be a bit of a down-to-earth one for you? United would be a week today that the game's played. They're recording this on the Monday. Do you think there is a danger that United could uh, come undone and the negativity could creep back? I think there's a danger of it because they're going to have to, as I said, probably be... The, the onus is going to be on them to break Wolves down and Wolves... Yeah, they, they they did United relatively comfortably in that FA Cup game last season. The the league game United were they rumbled Wolves because obviously Wolves played with a back three last season. They rumbled that system up until it was Fred, wasn't it, who um, who got the ball quite close mm. from a goal kick, and then you know it just it just collapsed there, and then United never really recovered, and Ashley Young was in a back three that evening as well playing central defence so there's, there's absolutely a danger of it happening and as we saw against Chelsea United they didn't retain the ball as well as they did in pre-season and I know pre I mean pre-season is utter, as, as much as it's great for us to cover it it is utterly meaningless for most for the by and large anyway um but United on pre-season against Tottenham, they they did hog the ball and they did force the issue and they did look pretty good when when they had um, the majority of possession. So I think that's kind of like the the modern benchmark at the moment if they can get up to that level in that Wolves game in terms of keeping the ball. But Wolves, they're by and large the same side that finished seventh last season, had a really, really good season. Same manager... As I said, I think that if United lose that game, that that will be so, so deflating purely because I think that's likely to be the reliable reflection of what this United team is going to be this season. I think it's all well and good beating a team that's got Mason Mount in it and have got Frank Lampard as manager 4-0. But then you're coming up against an established side. Uh, of course, Wolves. Wolves have been playing in the Europa League qualifiers, haven't they? So they are they've more, got the extra day off as well. Ma- more match which, ready, aren't they? Yeah. They seem to be. yeah. Um, I mean that that backfired with Burnley last season. I think Wolves have got they've greater bought, resources yeah. and they've bought well this summer as well, haven't they? They've sort of got players in for that Europa League. Campaign. A lot of a lot of people are understandably looking at at them as one of the teams to potentially disturb the top six, um, especially after seeing how Chelsea folded against United. Uh, certainly Wolves, Leicester, and maybe to a lesser extent Everton are the teams. I think a lot of people are looking at to hopefully. Uh, certainly, I think the Premier League needs someone to move back up there because it has become quite quite hackneyed with the same old teams in in the top six every year. So, as I said, it's it's a real it is a bit of an acid test for United, and um, the away end isn't great there in terms of generating an atmosphere as well. So it's not like having your usual away day backing, but it's it's one that is, is going to be quite a fascinating outcome. Last question on today's podcast is going to be one that's probably going to be clipped and played back to you at the end of the season. We were going to do our pre-season predictions last week, but due to the transfer window and presses and all that, we didn't get time to do the podcast. But what better time than now? United have won their first game of the season, 4-0, second in the league. Ollie's at the wheel, Charlotte. But where do you think United are actually going to finish this season? What, what's your gut telling you at the moment? Fourth. Fourth? Just like that. Any trophies? Any, anything else to come? Or mm, no, no. Just fourth. Okay. Very shy. You answer that. You're like a child at a kid's birthday party. No. Well, I on while we were away, we, me and Samuel, I think you guys do it as well. We had to predict the entire league table. So somewhere out That's there awful, on the internet, it? yeah, there is a graphic which will come back to haunt us yeah. come mm, the end yeah. of the season because not only we did we just have to predict 
who's going to win it, where United and City are going to finish and who's going to get relegated. Oh no, the entire league table we've had to predict. And that was before the window closed. Yeah. Well. yeah. But in fairness, up. sometimes I think, well, I certainly did last year, you can be swayed a little bit too by much a by a window. Signs, no, yeah. or by just by general window activity. I mean, I think I had Tottenham outside the top four last year because they they didn't, didn't sign any of... Well, they didn't sign a single player. So what's your prediction? Well, I, I did I did put United down as fourth. Do you think they could finish higher? And then on fourth? deadline day, I thought... Mm. Um, because there's some... I've changed sp- my tune since th- this prediction. So you've made I, your... I tweeted I put, my prediction. I, I can't remember what. So I this was on the, written on the 25th of July and I put United fifth. So what was your top six in order from top to bottom, Charlotte? I think that's something that fans might actually be almost interested in. Yeah, I think they'll finish fourth. That's my revised my revised table. Okay. I'm sticking with the top three. Mine was Man City first, Spurs second, oh. which I do not believe in anymore. <laughs> Liverpool third, United fourth, Arsenal fifth, Leicester sixth, I went for. But I think Spurs are the team that could finish fourth. I think United could finish as high as third this season. There were certainly things going on in the background at Tottenham between Pochettino and Levy that could lead it to unravelling and even something as... It seemed insignificant in the end, but you know him saying the Tongans fit, but just not... You know, it just drops him from the squad. Things like that. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think you could still envisage Pochettino as a future United manager, but he's starting to sound an awful lot like Mourinho and he's starting to butt heads with the hierarchy at Spurs and the last thing United are going to want is someone is a manager who's confrontational so on looking at it from that perspective there's there's a case to be made for United to possibly finish in the top three but I would still say that it's going to be fourth at best for them Okay, I'll keep my delusional views to myself. Uh, <laughs> you did say the other night you fancied Norwich to win yeah, it. And I must also say that, although I did back Norwich on Friday, I also backed United to win both more than three goals yesterday, which they did. That's, so lunch is on you. Yeah. Well, no, because my I don't condone betting. My bet was United to win by three goals at least, Marshall to score and Luke Shaw to get booked. Yeah, see, my... And Luke Shaw did not get booked. <laughs> so uh, we are not going to be eating well this lunchtime. I had to break it to you. So my predicted table was... was filed so long ago I forgot what I had it down as it's already looking stupid that I've got City, Liverpool Tottenham, United it's fair enough but I did go for Chelsea above Arsenal Yeah, well, because I didn't want we to be swayed by the transfer window but I can possibly see myself regretting that well as we said your mastermind topic is Man United it is not Chelsea Football Club so we will let you off with that uh, a few quick fire questions as well for both of you who's going to be United's top goal scorer this season Rashford Rashford Marshall FC for me I think I think rediscovered himself as number nine who do you think is going to be United's player of the season Maguire I don't want to say everything Charlotte's saying but I was going to just say Maguire I was going to go Wan-Bissaka maybe it'll be Pogba maybe it'll be an absolute revelation well once United win the it's league it's going to be no one it's going to be someone it's going to be like, like it's going to be like last season when it's like Luke Shaw's going to say none of us deserved it yeah. yeah but who knows we shall wait and see Andy Pereira Andy Pereira Andy P who Jeez. knows not a chance okay that's the one player not winning it we're going to say okay that's the faith negative Nancy's back Samuel Charlotte thank you very much for joining us thank, thank you. you on the first one of the season we will be back who knows when we might preview the Wolves game again but we'll definitely be back after it anyway please stick with us the Manchester News for all the pretty much build up ahead of that game to face Wolves next week please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and join us again next time